Welcome to another episode of The Illustrious Gentleman, the place where comic book artists and top blokes Scott Godleski and Ryan Cody talk about life, work, comics and booze. Follow the show on Twitter at TIG underscore show and online at www.tigshow.com T-I-G-S-H-O-W dot com Don't forget to let us know what you're drinking while you're listening to the show. Go on yourself, big man. Thanks, Gary, for that fantastic intro. Uh, today is Wednesday, which is New Comic Book Day, and on this particular New Comic Book Day is the release of Lost Boys Number 1 from Vertigo and DC Comics that uh, Scott illustrated. So even though Scott's not going to be with me again this week, I do want to let everyone know that they should run out to their local Samurai Comics if they live in Arizona and pick up a copy or 10. If you don't live in Arizona, you can always go to SamuraiComics.com. They're a great sponsor of this program. They have three three stores in Arizona. They sell comics, manga, trades, shirts, all sorts of great stuff. And uh, Mike Banks is a great supporter of local artists, and he's always been a great friend to me and this program and to the Arizona Comic Mini Expo that goes on every May. So I just want to say thanks again to Mike, to everyone at Samurai Comics, and run out there and buy your copy of Lost Boys Number 1. If you're a fan of the show and you feel like you want to support us, you can always go to tigshow.com and click on the Buy the Guys Around link. Um, and you can also sponsor the show if you're a business or even an individual who has something they want to promote. You can email us through the website. You can also go to iTunes.com if you listen to the program on iTunes and leave us a review. That really helps with exposure on iTunes. And uh, also, if you listen to the program on the Stitcher app, you can leave us a review on Stitcher as well. Both of those are very helpful. Uh, We'd like to hear what you're drinking while you're listening to the show, if you're drinking while you listen to the show. And if you're not drinking while you listen to the show, why not? Uh, Everyone should crack a beer or have a cocktail and relax at the end of the night and listen to a couple episodes. So uh, this particular show, I'm going to speak to several different comic book creators, friends of mine, to get into to get to the nugget of what it was that made them want to read comics or create comics. Sorry, I'm interested to know what what was the uh, what what was the spark for different different creators. So first up, we have uh, Fabian Ranhel Jr., who is the writer of Doc Unknown, which is what a book I worked on. He's uh, more better known for. Uh, his work with Alexis Zirit on Space Riders. He's also done work for Dark Horse. Uh, he's done work for the Stella app and uh, much more. So after I talked to Fabian, uh, I then talked to my friend Andy Kuhn, who's uh, created Fire Breather for Image Comics. He's also worked for Marvel, DC, you know, Image, Dark Horse, IDW, most recently on the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles franchise for IDW. Uh, he's a industry veteran, a great guy, and um, he had a pretty good story. And then finally, uh, I talked to Joe Delegata, an illustrator uh, out of the Northeast, who's uh, done some creator-owned work on a book called Holy Diver. He did some work on uh, Cartoon Network uh, Powerpuff Girls. He's just a great guy. Um, he's a wonderful illustrator, and uh, I was happy to talk to him as well. So please enjoy my conversations with Fabian, Andy, and Joe. And always, you can follow us on Twitter at TIG underscore show and online at www.tigshow.com. All right, here we go. All right, so uh, what was it that 
what was the thing that got you into comics or got you into wanting to uh, make comics? You know, like I had uh, been wanted, wanting to uh, like try and write comics. Probably, I don't know, I was probably like, yeah, I think I was in my like late 20s. But I was still in a band and that kind of took all my free time. But I was like, man, I'd like to try and write like stories again. Because I used to write a lot when I was like in middle school. But um, I don't know if there was like a like a movie. You're asking about a movie? Well, just like a movie, a comic, a cartoon, something that you can kind of pinpoint. Oh, okay. Or maybe a time in your life that you can pinpoint that something kind of sparked that for you. Well, like I said, I was in a band. And um, when I would come back from one of our last tours, like I got laid off from my job. They were kind of tired of me, like, leaving all the time to go on tour. And so I was like, you know what, we don't really need you. And um, since I just got back from tour, it was like I didn't really have my feet on the ground. I was like, oh, man, I just got home. Like, kind of hard to figure out what to do next. And so uh, I ended up getting on unemployment. And uh, unemployment's like a pretty sweet gig. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, you just put in a couple applications and get money for being unemployed and you know, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I lost my, uh, I lost my car. <laughs> I couldn't pay my car payment. Right. Uh, so that got repossessed. But, um, for the most part, like I had a lot of free time. This was before my son was born. My wife was, you know, she was working during the day and my stepdaughter was going to school. So like I'd wake up and everybody be gone and I didn't have a job. So I was like, oh, I don't really know what to do. I had a lot more free time back then. So I had always heard that, uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer was a good show. Right. And um, my friend Mikey let me borrow, like, I think he had, he pretty much had all the seasons on DVD. So I was like, oh, yeah, this, and I think this is before I was really into Netflix. This was like uh, a little over six years ago. And uh, so, yeah, I started watching Buffy a lot. You know, I just wake up, put on Buffy and eat cereal and <laughs> just sit there in front of the TV and just watch that show for like hours. And um, so I, I don't know, I guess I would have to say it's probably Buffy that would kind of like had that spark where I was like, man, I could do this, you know, like I could write stuff like this. Right. And was that um, was that before you ever read any like any any comics seriously? Was that kind of before you got into comics? Oh, uh, no, I had been reading comics. Uh, I, I started reading comics when I was like nine and collected them pretty seriously to about like 13 or 14 years old. This was like the early 90s, um, you know, when everybody was collecting comics. Right. Um, but I, I got out of it when I, once I got to high school, cause I got really into music, you know, I bought a guitar and started learning how to play and started going to watch my friends' bands play. And so I kind of got out of it. You know, I was just like spending my money buying music, like CDs or whatever. And, um, but once I got back in, once I got into my twenties, like 21, um, I'd actually was on tour and I went to, uh, my cousin's house in Louisiana and he had, uh, the Dark Knight Returns graphic mm -hmm. novel, yeah. like the collection which I hadn't even, like, heard of back when I was, like, a kid, which, you know, is was, was kind of weird now to think about that no one ever was like, hey, you should read this, you know. <laughs> but uh, he did. I was like, hey, you know, do you still read comics? I was like, no, I haven't read comics in forever. And he's like, oh, you should read this. I think you dig it. And as soon as I started reading it, I was like, oh, man, I don't remember comics being like this. <laughs> and so that kind of got me back into it because when I got back home, I was like, man, I wonder what else I've been missing out on the past, like, you know, seven years or however long it had been since I stopped reading them. So I probably started reading comics again around 2003. And uh, 
So I, yeah, I've been already, I've already been reading them again and like collecting them again, uh, pretty seriously for about you know eight years at that point. Right. And uh, something like that. It, it's kind of blurry, but um, you know, and I've been reading Hellboy and stuff, and you know, everybody knows that you know Mike Mignola is like my favorite, and so it was kind of like all that mixed together. You know, like I want to make stories with monsters in them, and I want to I want to write characters that are funny and. I don't know, I just, I just kind of took all my, all the movies that I liked as a kid, you know, like, uh, The Lost Boys and Monster Squad, and I was watching a lot of Buffy, and I put all that together and just, uh, made, um, Extinct. It was like the first comic that I did. Right. I think it was kind of like a catalog. It was was all that, it was all that stuff put together, you know, just like, I had the time, you know, I was, like I said, I was, I was unemployed, and so, like, I have nothing else to do. Like, I could try and teach myself how to write comics. Right. Was there a way, did you, uh, did you read any books on that or did you just try, did you see scripts online and just try to mimic the format? How did you try to teach uh, yeah, yourself there, to write? Yeah, there was a couple of books. Um, my wife had bought me this one, uh, the DC comics guide to writing comics by Denny O'Neill. I had, she got me that one. I had asked her, you know, I was like, Oh yeah, this would be cool. Like birthday present or Christmas present or whatever it was. And so she bought me that and that was pretty good. And then um, I also bought uh, Making Comics by Scott McCloud. Yeah, I've seen that, like at Barnes & Noble, and uh, read that thing. And so it was like those two books together. And then I had the uh, the first uh, Invincible hardcover. And um, in the back, there's like the whole script for number, issue number one of Invincible. And so that was a big help, too, because I kind of like reverse engineer it. You know, like I'm like, oh, SFX, that's like a sound effect. And, you know, I just, that's pretty much like where I learned, you know, those three books together were kind of like my reference points. Cool. Yeah. We mentioned, uh, you know, we talk about Hellboy a lot just because me and Scott, but no one, no one's brought up Buffy yet. So that's good. Uh, Buffy is good. I watched the whole thing on Netflix a couple of years ago. Yeah. Yeah. It's a fun little show. I mean, I guess. season one's tough to get through. <laughs> <laughs> like I was very much like, man, this is a show that everybody likes. Stupid. <laughs> But I remember liking the movie. I know a lot of people don't really like that old movie, but I remember liking it when I was a kid. And yeah. I was like, well, if it's better than the movie, that's cool. Yeah, I think uh, I don't think I had a problem with the movie. But anyways, all right, cool, man. Well, uh, thanks for talking, and um, uh, it was good, uh, good to find out some of your influences. Yeah, man, cool. Well, thanks for asking All right, so uh, so I guess the question I posed to everyone, Andy, was was there one specific comic, uh, movie, cartoon, you know, something sort of uh, related that kind of sparked in you like a love affair for the the type of stories that you wanted to tell in comics or you know something like that? Does that well, make- I, I really I, I sort of have like a a bunch of different <laughs> you know a bunch of different moments like that throughout my life but uh, uh right i'm in, i'm interested in the one moment do you have one moment like a like i, a, I, know, what you, I like, know what you want like a like a come to god moment or like an oh wow moment <laughs> well i have a i have a, a couple of them okay so when i was uh i mean i was all i was already sort of super interested in just cartoons and cartooning uh just I was fascinated by them, but I wasn't really, you know, I didn't really consider myself any kind of an artist or anything. So this is when I was probably about twelve years old or so. 
and uh, his family moved in across the street from us, and the guy, the, the father, was a, a cartoonist who had been an animator at Hanna-Barbera. Oh, wow. And so, and I became friends with his kids, and so I got to see his little workspace and everything. He was, at the time, he was trying to, he was working as a medical illustrator for uh, a university in Indianapolis, uh, but he was trying to get a uh, a syndicated comic strip uh, off the ground. Oh, okay. And so he was working, he was hard at work on that, and I got to see sort of all these, you know, like he had a small collection of comics and stuff. Uh, he, he had a bunch of, uh, a bunch of underground comics. And I remember seeing, uh, seeing a bunch of, uh, uh, R. Crumb stuff way before I probably should have. <laughs> right. <laughs> made me feel really weird sure. <laughs> at 12 years old. Right. Uh, so, but the, but the one specific moment was I can totally remember he, he's, this guy was trying to get this comic strip going. It, it never, uh, it never got picked up. But uh, but he had all these roughs and layouts and stuff that he had done for this this strip, and uh, he had thrown them out in the trash. And I can re- specifically remember <laughs> like sitting there going through their trash bags <laughs> out out by the curb and just just like pouring over all these drawings, uh, you know, and just and taking stuff out that I, you know, that I saved and just, just looking over all the stuff that he threw out and just totally fascinated by the whole, you know, the whole process of it, you know? Right. Like the, so, the nuts and bolts of it. Yeah. And, uh, it was just, a, it was just like, I mean, I totally can, you know, just, just th- thinking about it, I can go back to that minute right now, you know, cause I, I mean, I was like, just, I was this kid and it was like, it was getting dark. <laughs> I was like out under the street lamp, <laughs> just trying so I could see everything. But uh, the other, the other sort of, uh, I guess, uh, you know, another key thing for me was. So you, you probably can't tell it by looking at my artwork now. But when I was mm, eighteen to twenty, somewhere in that range, I was. I basically wanted to be Barry Smith Jr. Right. And I totally just was aping him nonstop, uh, and uh, just just loved his work. Uh, uh, his stuff on Conan and all the uh, all the, the the poster stuff that he did when he when he left uh, Marvel to start up Blimey Press. Just all that stuff. I was I was uh, crazy, insane over Barry Smith stuff. But uh, the, the he did a. He, like one of the last Conan stories that he did uh, was this adaptation of a story called Red Nails, and it appeared in Savage Sword of Conan, the black and white magazine, uh-huh. either issues two and three or three and four. I don't remember which, but I've got the, I still have those issues, and I still have the, the uh, they, they later reprinted it as a treasury edition, a colored treasury edition size thing. And just that that specific story just was like, you know, made the top of my head come off. I was just like, I poured over that, you know, I mean, like the the old the Savage Sword 
magazines that I have that have those that have those stories in them are just <laughs> beat to hell because I've right. just gone over them so many times, you know. Yeah, I like those old um, those old black and white magazine sized stuff that Marvel used to put out. They had a Punisher magazine for a while and the Conan one. Oh yeah, there was. I mean, in the the seventies was kind of like the heyday for that. I I really miss. You know, it definitely seems like these days. You know, if people see a comic in black and white, uh, I guess with the one lone exception being The Walking Dead, they just uh, they just don't want to have anything to do with it. But uh, but I, I definitely miss uh, all those black and white magazines. I mean, they had uh, the Tales of the Zombie, and they had uh, crap. I don't remember all of them. There was a there was a ton of uh, you know there was a ton of horror comics, you know, including all the Warren, you know, creepy and eerie and all that stuff. Right. So did, I miss all the black and white magazines for sure. That but that one specific story, Red Nails, was definitely my my comics guidepost for for quite a while there. I mean, I eventually sort of, <laughs> I eventually sort of got uh, all of the uh, uh, all of the Barry Smith noodling out of my system, or most of it <laughs> out of my system. Uh, when I when I discovered Bruce Tim and you know a lot of artists that I really like that are you know <laughs> much more simple and to the point, but uh, but I still have a I definitely have a soft spot in my heart for all for all Barry Smith's work. Yeah, that's interesting. I don't think anyone who's a fan of your work would really pick up on that, but that's a that's a cool influence. Well, <laughs> if you saw my work at the age of twenty, they would you you would say, "Man, you are totally ripping him off." <laughs> <laughs> try and try and think of a style of your own, sir. <laughs> right, that's all right. There's nothing wrong. Maybe maybe we need a couple more uh, Barry Windsor Smith clones right now. Maybe that's what the industry could use. <laughs> I don't. What is he? Uh, What's he doing these days? Does he, does he make comics or anything? I don't know. I remember years ago, I mean, everything to me seems like it was not too long ago, but it was probably like fi- yeah. 15 years ago when he started his own comic line. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. That's after he left Valiant. So I don't, I mean, that was a while ago. I have no idea. Um, did well, you know, it, are you talking about those books that he did that, that came out through uh, through Dark Horse that were like those uh, kind of magazine size? Yeah, did I, I don't did those come out through Dark Horse or those come out through his own publishing company? Oh, maybe you're right. I thought for some reason I thought that some of them maybe Dark Horse did reprints of them or something. Yeah, that might be that might be true. I don't know. I, I I remember there was one called Ad Astra and yeah, it was essentially uh, um, it, was like, it was like a it was essentially Storm, right? Right, right. Like, but like a Storm Conan Red Sonia mashup, I think. Yeah, something like that. And then there was also okay. another dude who like rode a motorcycle through time or something. Like, some oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I might have yeah, to. I, 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 uh, I remember buying those at the time. I don't know if I still have them or not. I have. There's been a couple of times when I've when I've had to get rid of a bunch of my comics, and, uh, and I don't know if I if I still have those. I mean, I, I definitely still have all my uh, you know anything Barry Smith that was Conan related for sure. Right. I'm hung on to all that stuff. Uh, did anything ever? Do you know if anything ever came of your uh, neighbor's dad? Uh, you know, I really don't know. I they, they moved away, and and I totally lost touch with them. But uh, but uh, uh, it definitely was. I mean, if I could <laughs> if I could find him today, I would definitely tell him. You know what a big influence he was on me, just because it was it was definitely like you know kind of kismet, right place, right time. 
type thing where I was just, you know, I was fascinated by cartooning, and then here's this guy who actually does it. And I was like, you know, that was like a real, you know, aha moment where I could, I could see, you know, oh, this is something that you could actually do, you know, All right. not just an abstract idea. Well, that's a great, uh, great little story. Much better than like, uh, you know, you saw a Bionic 6 cartoon and you wanted to make comics. So much, much more interesting <laughs> than that. Uh, all right. Well, Bionic 6 is cool as hell too, man. Yeah, it is, man. All right. Well, thanks for chatting, buddy. No problem. Thank right. you for having me on your little show. All right. So uh, I've kind of learned through talking to Fabian and Andy so far that uh, I guess my my idea. What the fuck? Hang on, I gotta close my window. Some asshole power washing his lane or something. Um. So after talking to Fabian and Andy, I've kind of learned that there's not really one thing that kind of sparked their uh, their desire to make comics or to create comics. Um, and in Andy's, it wasn't even like a property or a comic. So. I guess the the general question then becomes what made you want to do what you do now was there was there one thing that kind of grabbed your attention and and uh, pointed you in this direction yeah there's, there's like like the other guys I'm sure there was more than uh, more than one thing um, I was trying to think if I can nail it down to just one singular item but uh, a few things that came to mind one of them the earliest one that I could think of is uh, my, my father used to draw when I was little, and uh, he never really kept up with it, but when I was very small, maybe, you know, three, four years old, he would he would keep me entertained by drawing, like, Rick Winstone from memory. Right. And uh, so I would just sit there and watch him draw that. You know, he'd just grab a pencil and some random scrap paper, and he would just draw a bust of Fred Flintstone. So that would, uh, that would probably be the earliest I can think of, other ones from there, believe it or not, a Nintendo Power magazine. All right. I don't know if you're familiar with that from the from the eighties, nineties. That that magazine, my my older cousin used to have a subscription, and I would thumb through that every time I was over his house, just looking at all the the either the, the clay sculptures that they would do of like video game characters or the the spot illustrations and the articles. I would just draw those over and over in my my free time as a kid. Right, they had a lot of. Uh, uh, didn't they have a lot of comic guys do like uh, illustrations and stuff in that magazine? They may have. I mean, back then, I I couldn't name one artist. Back then, I couldn't pick out a, a particular person by style. I just I just knew it was something that was drawn, and I thought it was cool. So. I would have. I'd be curious to go back and, and look at some of those magazines. I know they, they put them up online for free somewhere. They they have all of them on some kind of database, and you can you can peruse them. But uh, I'd be curious to see if anybody familiar to any of us would be in any of those credits. All right. I mean, what's uh, after that? Did that get you into just games, or did it? kind of make you want to start reading comics or what what was the transition from that um comics in general i mean my, my dad had a few comics here and there i would read some stuff i i think i got into superheroes more through like coloring books as a kid right than i did comic books at that early of an age 
But uh, if, if we're talking about the, the thing that really got me into, I think, comic characters would have to be, and I think you and Scott touched on this in a previous podcast, was the, uh, the Joe Justo Marvel Masterpiece set from 92. Yeah, that's so surprising to me. You two, I mean, I guess it must be more common uh, than I would think. But yeah. That, those sets didn't really do anything for me just because I, I guess I, you know, I don't, I, I, I'm still not that big of a fan of painted kind of comic book art. So it never really grabbed me the way it grabbed you guys. But you guys are younger than me too. So maybe, I don't know if that has something to do with it or not. Yeah, I don't know if, it, I don't know if it's an age difference. Um, I just think just seeing, seeing superhero characters, outside of comics, maybe, or outside of, like, television in, like, a trading card form. I think that was pretty pretty new at that time. Oh, for sure, yeah. yeah. So I think maybe just just the way it was displayed in that medium. I don't even know if it was necessarily the painting. I think it was just that. That might have been the first year I think they did those cards. Yeah, I think J- Jesco did the first entire set, if I remember correctly. Those, yeah. The Marvel Masterpieces. And then the following year, they they got several different artists to do. Right, the Hildebrandt didn't like the Hildebrandt brothers do some, and maybe Joe yeah, they Joe Chiodo did some. did some killer ones right. uh, in the '93 set, I believe. I was gonna say, uh, so having a dad who who used to sort of doodle and sketch and stuff like that, were they? Was your dad supportive? Is is he supportive of of what you're doing, or? Uh, does he think it's it? You know, everyone should have like a backup job or whatever. I mean, is, are, um, are you doing something that I, he he would have wanted to do, or is he just good at doodling and so it didn't really go past that for him? I think when he was younger, I think he wanted to go into like drafting and architecture and stuff like that, but he just that it didn't work out that way, right? And uh, he's been a machinist for as long as I've been around, so that's just what he does. That's his full time job. That's what pays the mortgage and keeps the family, you know, taken care of. Right. But um, growing up, my parents were always supportive of me drawing. They, you know, for holidays, like the silly ones, like Easter and stuff that you don't normally get gifts for. My mom and dad would always get me, like, packs of paper, packs of pencils, drawing supplies. So they were always very um, supportive of it. And even... Later on, when I ended up going to the Cupid School when I was 20, you know, they were also very supportive of that. So, you know, they've, they've always been very cool about it. And even though I work a few jobs that, you know, are not illustration, and I do, I do that stuff freelance and very little, you know, they, their attitude is pretty much as long as I'm happy and can take care of myself, then they're happy. All right, man. Well, cool. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for uh, chatting with me. And uh, No, thank you. I appreciate it, man. All right, buddy. Well, have a good night. You too. I will talk right. to you later. All right. Bye. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. Um, we should be back next week. I'll be on vacation. Scott will be available, so we might do a small little episode uh, with me from the road. Keep an eye on uh, Twitter on at tig underscore show.com for all the details uh, moving forward. And if we don't see you next week, we'll see you in two weeks. So thanks again.